Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Welcome to Hallis Intrigue, the Sun-Times Chicago Bears podcast. We're Jason in this week's episode. We will make our picks for the Packers-Bears game on Sunday night. We will talk about what we can learn about Justin Fields and Aaron Rodgers, considering they have the same coach. And we'll break down everything non-quarterback related that will swing the game on Sunday. All of that is next on Hallis Intrigue. Jason, it's rivalry week. The Bears are playing on Sunday night football at at Lambeau Field, which is something they've been doing a heck of a lot of lately. The Packers are 0-1. The Bears are 1-0. Both are surprises. Does that change at all your opinion of what this game may look like? Not really, Pet. I feel like, if anything, I would throw out those first those week one games for both teams. I'm just, my main thing that I'm not buying is this idea that the Packers are falling apart after having the number one seed in the NFC last year. Now there's this, there, there there are some wishful thinkers wanting to form this storyline of, well, they lost, they lost frustratingly in the playoffs last year to the 49ers. Then they looked very bad in week one against the Vikings. They don't have Devontae Adams. Everything in Green Bay is on its way down. Everything in Chicago is on its way up. Uh, we think things are on their way up in Chicago. We don't know that. Not at all. After one game. There have been many times where the Bears thought things were on their way up with a new coach and a new GM or a new quarterback, and that did not turn out to be the case. There have been many times where people, especially in Chicago, have thought the Packers are finally declining, and they never are, it turns out. I have seen too many times Aaron Rodgers turn – nobody's into somebody's at wide receiver. I'm going to have to see him and Green Bay struggle for a prolonged period before I start to buy that things are really on the decline in Green Bay. I don't think that we're setting up for some game here where the Bears are suddenly, after one game, we're all saying, oh, no, no, they're on equal footing. But what yeah. I do think is that it, it would really flip their season around. I mean, what did you think they would be going into the season, Pat? What did you think their record would be? Did you predict something? Six and 11. Six and 11. And you probably in that six and 11 had them losing these first two games, as many people have. So if they were to go up there and beat Green Bay and be 2-0, and and not just 2-0, and they'd be 2-0 and uh, in games that no one thought they would win. That really does change the expectations for the season. It doesn't change anything about the big picture trajectory of where they want to go, but then you would start wondering, could this team fight its way to nine wins or something like that and be in the playoff hunt? 2-0 and with a game at home against the Texans coming up. Like, you know, 2-0 and and looking at 3-0. and Jason, let me remind you of last season's opener that the Packers played. It was against the Saints, but because of whether it was moved to Jacksonville. Do you remember the final score of that game? Uh, was it like 35 to three or something like 38 that? to three. Do you want to know what the Packers did after that? I do beat the lions, beat the Niners, beat the Steelers, beat the Bengals in overtime, beat the bears by 10, beat Washington, beat the Cardinals. That got them to seven and one. They won seven in a row. And then after that, they split the next four and then won another four in a row. So it was absolutely no indication that the Packers were dead or even on life support. It was one bad day and they bounced back pretty, pretty quickly. And I think you could argue from the Packers perspective that 
of course, week one here was going to be a bad day. You know, they have all these new receivers that Aaron Rodgers needs to get to know. They don't have Devontae Adams. And they are one of those teams that you would rather play in week one, two, three, or four than in weeks 10, 11, 12, and 13, just because they are still trying to pull everything together. Uh, we talked to Luke Getze today, and, and this is what I'm going to write about for uh, the Chicago Sun-Times, which is Luke Getze was in that room last year when they lost by 35. And people were pointing at Aaron Rodgers, you know, screwing around at golf tournaments and threatening to not play and all of that stuff is, is a reason to think that the Packers uh, dynasty was in the in a decline. And I, I asked Getsy, I said, you know, you know, did you see the confidence waiver from the quarterback? He just laughed. He said, you've been doing this 18 years. Of course not. Uh, I'm afraid from the Bears point of view that that's exactly what you're looking at here. You're looking at a Packers team. Uh, that ain't going to go zero and two. Well, I also think, Pat, like, what are we making of the Bears opener in a deluge against the 49ers? I mean, is how much delu- we- is it deluge or deluge? I think you can say it either way. Okay, we should right. look it up. We should know. All right, continue. I mean, you better know if you're coming in hot with that correction. You better know. You you better know. <laughs> uh, right. Either way, like you're looking at standing water, you're looking at squiggly yard lines, things like that. You, t- you have Justin Fields talking about not being able to hold the ball. Uh, I talked to uh, a defensive lineman for the Bears this week who was describing it as you have to take a conservative approach. You can't a- attack and be aggressive the way that you want to be because you're not going to have the footing. Your foot's going to slide. Your, your foot inside your shoe is sliding around because it being wet. So we look at all that, and I just don't think we can make big-picture leaps uh, off where the Bears are based on that game. I think there are a few things we can take from it, but I don't want to say uh, them beating Trey Lance and the 49ers in a game like that has them on a different course than where you thought they would be a week ago. A quick search of the Internet shows that we're both right, uh, which is the worst possible outcome for the podcast. What does that mean? Deluge and deluge are both acceptable. Apparently. No, that means that I'm right because I said you could say it either way. <laughs> All right. You, you had right. to come in hot with the know-it-all correction that turned out to be incorrect. I think deluge makes it sound more fun, doesn't it? And more French. Go ahead. And more French. <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about how to pronounce things. Uh, no, well, we were talking course. about the Bears opener. And if we were going to really parse out what we could do, get from that and what we could not. I mean, do you think they're a better team than the 49ers based on that? No, I don't. I think the 49ers are going to be a lot different in week 12, maybe with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback, maybe with a better Trey Lance quarterback. I don't know. But the 49ers were a game away from the Super Bowl. They were a quarter away from the Super Bowl last year. I think that they're a lot better than what they looked like in a rainstorm the other day. The things that I would say, though, that you could – one of the things I would say that you could tell about the Bears that was different in week one, and Matt LaFleur pointed this out, is – this is my analogy, not his, although it it was the point that he made. They kind of remind you of the Tom Thibodeau Bulls where it is is max effort all the time. It is squeezing every possible drop of production out of some guys that are not thought of to be stars – and you can grind out some wins and you can stay in some games doing it that way. It didn't work out for the Bulls. Like, don't do not do that if you're playing an 82-game schedule. But if you're playing once a week for 17 weeks, that's going to get you somewhere. And the Bears do think that that will keep them in games. And I'm inclined to agree with at least that part of it. 
to where while I don't think they have caught up in any way to Green Bay, I don't think we're at this intersection of the Bears going up and the Packers going down. I think the Bears are in a position where they're not going to be embarrassed by Green Bay as they have been in the past few years. Famous last words if the Packers end up hanging 35 on on the Bears. But I, I think you're right. I think that the, the, the level of effort and the level of uh, intelligence and the refusal to make mistakes lines up with what we saw in the preseason. Now, I, I don't think you can read a lot in the preseason games, but I, I think that when a team doesn't commit penalties and when the team runs to the ball, I think those are habits. And I think that those habits have carried over to week one. So in that sense, this is a very different team than uh, the one that uh, Matt Nagy brought in to Green Bay. It's also a very different team because it's a lot less talented. And, you know, the Bears are going to have to play their version of a perfect game, which is probably to get Aaron Rodgers in a phone booth and probably to try to race him to 24, not 35. And in that sense, they got a lot of help from the weather last week because, you know, I don't think the Bears can outscore anybody uh, and uh, certainly not the 49ers. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And, you know, to me, what's interesting, too, is the Bears – coaching staff here has really tried to make this a, Hey, this is the next game. It's all about us. It's a nameless, faceless opponent. We play every week. You know, they give uh, some, you know, nod that, well, yeah, it's the Packers. You know, we know people care, but really, you know, really it's, it's nothing different than any other opponent. Uh, I'm curious whether that turns fans off because I, I think it would make me mad if I were, you know, a, a lifelong Bears fan who hated the Packers and to sit there and watch your new coach be like, eh, not that big a deal. Uh, but it's definitely a new approach. And I think it's an approach that fits with Matt Eberflus's hit system and, and fits with kind of the whole culture that they're trying to build here. Also, it is a complete lie. Of course it is. Of course Pat, it is. Look at, look at what Matt Eberflus tells you when he says, oh, we're not concerning ourselves with Green Bay. We're only concerned with us. Who, what did he, where did he go hire from for his offensive coordinator? Green Bay Packers. And look at Justin Fields telling you like, oh, I don't compete against Aaron Rodgers. We're not on the same field together. And whose tape did Aaron, did Justin Fields spend the entire offseason studying? Aaron Rodgers. So this idea that it's the Packers and we're not concerning ourselves with them being the gold standard of the division or one of the better organizations and teams in the league, and we're not chasing them and all of that. Okay fine, like this week, if you want to say that, but big picture, that is exactly what you're trying to do. Yeah. You're trying to imitate them and uh, Bears fans probably don't want to hear that, but my God, I'm sure Bears fans would take. Why wouldn't they want the to hear that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, you should absolutely want to hear that. Years. Yeah. I mean, it's better than trying to steal everything that the Jaguars have. Like, yes, try to become the Packers. That's a great idea. If I was sitting around Hallis Hall in the off season being like, well, we just fired Pace and we just fired Nagy. What should we do? We should try to be the Packers. Yeah, that's a great should, idea. Let's we should do try it. and have two quarterbacks over a 35-year span, and those guys are good, and they make everybody else good. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. You know, I think there's a sense too, Jason, from the coaching staff, at least publicly, that they don't want to say anything to get anybody fired up. And I think part of that is that they realize the talent disparity that they have here. Uh, you know, historically, this hasn't been much of a rivalry for you know, a decade. Uh, but just, you know, if you go up and down the roster, 
I mean, Vegas thinks this is going to be one of the biggest blowouts of the weekend. I, I think there's a sense that the Bears are probably in no place to start running their yaps about the Packers quite yet. Yeah, I think that, you know, when they talk about wanting to focus on themselves, most of all, they're they know where they stand. They know where they're where they're at, no matter whether they put this clearly to us or, you know, they're not talking about this as like a season that they're checking out on by any means, but they know what they have. Matt Eberflus knows that this this defense, for example, this isn't loaded like the Colts defense that he left. They're trying to get there. And the offense is even further behind than that. So, yeah, I think that there's a healthy humility and understanding of that, like the mouse doesn't need to be chirping at the elephant right now. Yeah, and, and there are different ways to do that. I mean, one of my one of the more interesting things I ever covered back when I covered college football was Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh going to Stanford and then just immediately start chirping at Pete Carroll for no reason, you know, just to say, hey, we're Stanford. We, you know, you know, we should be able to swing with the big boys. And eventually he won a game in which Stanford was a 44 point underdog. You know, you know, you can go there and you can try and put your you know finger in the chest of, of Goliath or you can just go about your business and the Bears have chosen to go about their business. Um, I mean, think just, how stupid think how stupid you look when you or how embarrassing it is when you say something and then. I mean, just think last year to Matt Nagy saying at halftime how much fun he was having and how laughable that was in hindsight when they lose 45 to 30. I mean, it, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, it worked out for him, but there's a lot of guys where it doesn't work out for them. This kind of has, you know, I was thinking the other day, Pat, this has almost a college feel to it in this rivalry, which you rarely get in the NFL, both in terms of atmosphere and in terms of one-sidedness. I mean, I like I think back to like there was 10 years, I think, where, uh, it was a so-called rivalry between Florida and Tennessee, and Florida won every game in that decade. And it, that is how this feels. I mean, you look at the last three coaches that the Bears have had, each of them won one game against ha. the Packers. Do you want to hear something crazy, Jason? Of the uh, last yes, but you understand, though, when you build this as something crazy, now it has to actually be something crazy. Of the last five head coaches the Bears have had, four of them have won their first game at Lambeau field. The fifth was Matt Nagy who would have won it had Kyle Fuller squeezed an interception in 2018. Crazy enough. I'll take it. And then they never won a game ever again. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it, it's a college rivalry. And I think, I think you're right in terms of the fact that, you know, it's not a very balanced rivalry. Uh, at this point. And, and you're also right in just the atmosphere about it. You know, if you've ever been to green Bay, the stadium's in the middle of a neighborhood, the tailgating is definitely a college sort of thing, not a pro thing. And, you know, some of, I don't know about you, Jason, we both come from colleges. My favorite stuff about the NFL typically skews more college. Like I like fight songs. I like, <laughs> you know, you know, pregame and postgame and, and tradition and goofy cheers that people have. Like that's, I think that's part of what makes football really good. Well, it may, it makes each one of the things that that does in college football is it makes each program unique. And there is a lot in the NFL that doesn't feel very unique. Uh, Green Bay certainly does. Right. Yeah. Green Bay, Kansas city. I mean, those Denver a little bit, uh, you know, in terms of, a feeling both unique and rooted in tradition. It's a really, really short list. I, d I wanted to get back to one thing you said about Justin Fields and Aaron Rodgers, and then we will get to our predictions 
for the game. But do you get the sense, Jason, that Justin Fields um, is trying to be like Aaron Rodgers and is also trying not to let the world know that? Yeah, I don't. I again, I think that's going to sound. That's going to be a clip and a quote that you rehash for years if it doesn't work out for Justin Fields. That oh, this guy was saying he was going to try to become Aaron Rodgers back in his second season. Right. But I like the idea that he is. He's not the same player. Aaron Rodgers could never in his life run as fast as Justin Fields, and Justin Fields might even have a stronger arm than Aaron Rodgers, especially now as Aaron Rodgers hits thirty-eight. I think. Right. So they're they're not going to be the same player, but Justin Fields can see these things that Aaron Rodgers does, and especially he can learn from Luke Getze the analytical way in which Rodgers processes things like third down and what is possible on what is realistically probable on third downs, where what when to take the gimmies and when to take chances. And using his leg, Aaron Rodgers, I think of Aaron Rodgers as a mobile quarterback because he moves Absolutely. so well. He's he's yes. not a runner at all, but he is a guy that could could run. I mean, he could Aaron Rodgers, there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing stopping him from going on a 12-yard run or something like that, but more so behind the line of scrimmage. He rolls out and creates opportunities, buys time, creates passing lanes where there weren't before. And Justin Fields can learn a lot from that. I, I think he can, and I think like you said, they're two different quarterbacks. They do have the same issue right now. And, you know, what's the, what's the first thing we say when we talk about Justin Fields and his development? We talk about the wide receivers that he has, or, or namely the wide receivers that he doesn't have. And I'd argue to you, Jason, that if you lined up the Packers receivers and the Bears receivers right now, Darnell Mooney is the best of all of them. And it's not particularly close. And I think what we will see as the year goes on is Aaron Rodgers turning guys who don't have this tremendous pedigree into really, really serviceable to good wide receivers. And I think that's the dream with Justin Fields. You know, we talk about, do you want to mimic the Packers? Do you want to be like the Packers? If you've got the quarterback figured out, you don't need to go spend $30 million on a receiver. You can develop those guys. And all of a sudden you are, you know, you are bringing them along. You don't need them to bring you along. Um, I think that is the Holy grail. Uh, especially now when wide receivers cost more than they've ever cost before. And I think uh, we will have a real-time experiment starting Sunday when we're there to see whether, you know, you know, can Aaron Rodgers grow wide receivers in his backyard and can Justin Fields do the same? Aaron Rodgers can because we've seen him do it for like 20 years. So I'm sure that he can, and I fully expect that he will. Justin Fields right now, is a guy who needs everything in place around him, like a lot of quarterbacks do. Justin Fields is in his second, a lot of young quarterbacks do. He's in his second year, Pat, but he only played half the snaps last season. Yeah, this is maybe maybe 60% of the snaps. He didn't play a ton last season, even though we think of him being the starter his entire rookie year. It, it really wasn't like that. So he's still more ex, more inexperienced than you would think, and he still definitely fits the category of, needs everything around him to be right to succeed. It's a long way to go from there to I make everything around me work no matter what. Yeah, years probably. And, you know, just because he's got Aaron Rodgers coach doesn't mean it'll happen. But, uh, you know, I am I personally am more comfortable betting on Fields' future today than I was last year with Matt Nagy there just because 
there, you know, throw out the coaching, just throw that out. But everybody seems to be pulling in the right direction. Now, this isn't one head coach fighting for his job while trying to, you know, develop something for the future kind of off on a backfield. This Mm -hmm. is everybody all in on him. You know, the funniest description before we get to predictions, the funniest description that I've heard about this offense from bears players. And I've heard it from multiple bears players is some comment to the effect of it makes sense. This offense makes sense. Right. And of course the implication is that it did not make sense before. (laughs) Yeah. You wouldn't say like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, logically, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. sure nobody in green Bay goes, our offense is once again, logical this season. Yeah. Yeah, Right. uh, Yeah. Uh, Let's get to picks uh, real quick. It appears uh, to be a clean sweep for the Green Bay Packers among Team Sun Times. That includes Mark Potash, who will be on the show again on Sunday, uh, and you and I. Uh, Give me your score. and and Well, we did that last week, Pat. Didn't we? Yeah, and we were all wrong. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, Um, I'd I'd make that same bet nine (laughs) times out of ten. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. I think it's going to be somewhere around a seven to ten point game, uh, a seven to ten point win for Green Bay. So I think it will be clear that Green Bay is better than them, but it will not be a total humiliation. And you think back to their first game, I believe it was last year, their first meeting in at Soldier Field where Green Bay won twenty four to fourteen, but the Bears were in that in the fourth quarter. They had a chance. They fought well. And and that is a that is not the standard. Like you can't just sit here and say that Green Bay, oh Green Bay is so good, you know, at least, you know, just putting up a fight against Green Bay is sufficient. That's, you know, a moral victory. It's not. But those are steps toward being competitive with them in the division. So I think that Green Bay is going to be tough to slow down offensively. I think they're gonna be around twenty six points. And I think that the Bears are going to have trouble doing any better than about 20. Okay. Yeah. I've got the Packers 21 to nine. Uh, and yes, that's three field goals. That's not a touchdown in the safety. I just think the bears offense, we need to see what it looks like. Uh, you know, when people are able to plant their feet and run and, and that accounts for the defense too, because I think there was some advantage that the bears had, and there is an offensive advantage in a downpour because you know where the ball is going. Uh, you know, maybe in that fourth quarter when it turned into a lake, all of that goes out the window. But in general, you know, the offense is favored when, you know, like I said, when everybody knows what routes they're running. So uh, I still think the Bears offense needs to prove a lot to me. So I've got them at 21 to nine. And, and to your point, too, about moral victories, I think there's something to be said for a national narrative that has a healthy respect for the bears. And I don't think that's been the case the last couple of years. And part of it, quite frankly, is because NBC puts this game on, on Sunday nights every year. And no it, matter hasn't what. Been, it hasn't been, I mean, you know, regardless you know, of the state of the bears, this is a national TV game force fed into everyone's living room. Once a yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. And the highlight last year was that the bears played a fun first half. I mean, and so, you know, if this can be a ball game and if this can be fun, but more importantly, if this can be entertaining, to the people at home and for reasons other than boy, look at the lake on that field, which is what it was when it was a semi-national game uh, last week. I think that that may go a long ways toward the bears getting a little bit more national 
respect because there were a lot of people and NFL.com was at the top of the list that predicted the bears would be the worst team in football this year. I think they have a chance to uh, stick up for themselves a little bit. I am scared Sunday for the bears about their rookies and their young players against Aaron Rodgers. I think <laughs> Trey Lance on his best day, isn't going to take advantage of that the way Aaron Rodgers is. So you look at rookies that even you think very highly of, Pat, like Kyler Gordon at cornerback, Jaquan Brisker at safety, and they better be perfect. They right. better be perfect. That is a that is an impossible ask of someone in their second NFL game to be perfect. And the moment that they are not perfect, he's so good that he will take advantage of it. There will be a 40 or 50-yard touchdown pass because of a, of, of a mistake like that. When you make your rookie mistake in this game, you almost certainly will pay for it. Kendall Vildor is not a rookie, but another guy that we're not sure, you know, is he really an NFL cornerback? Mm -hmm. uh, Aaron Rodgers will be the judge of that. Thank you. I'll leave you with this, Jason. I think Aaron Rodgers is the greatest football player I've ever seen with my own two eyes in person. I don't know whether you share that opinion, but I will ask you, you've covered a lot of different sports. Who's in, you know, who is at his level that you have been around? I imagine it's a small list. I imagine it's filled with great people. In terms of just pure excellence. Yep. I mean, it's hard to beat LeBron James. Okay. As someone that just has pure excellence, uh, someone who just can do everything and can see things faster than other people see them and exploit it. Um, LeBron is like that. LeBron is like that, uh, like Aaron Rodgers in that way of in football, there's 21 other guys on the field. In basketball, there's nine other guys on the court. And both LeBron and Aaron Rodgers will see the opportunity before anybody else does, and they will take it. And they, they will be stone, even, they, stone cold killers about it. They will have. Yes. Yes. Right. And and they may even see it too quickly for the person that they're getting the ball to or whatever, if LeBron is passing. Uh, but that person will still have enough time to adjust and finish the play. Yeah. It's a pretty short list. And uh, uh, I don't think I'm ready to presume that Aaron Rodgers has fallen off one bit and, uh, I suspect that uh, he will show everybody that on Sunday night. Speaking of Sunday night, we will come back uh, to you from the press box late, 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 late Sunday night at Lambeau Field. Until then, you can follow Jason and Mark Potash and myself on Twitter. Check us out at the Sun-Times website. If you're in town, buy a newspaper. And as always, like, rate, and review the podcast. For Jason Leisure, I'm Patrick Finley. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.